this is going to be a revolution akin to the dawn of sampling, but more like sampling on steroids. Hey, streamers and dreamers. My name is Otto Kent, and you're listening to The Week by Telecom Electronic Beats. It's Thursday, April 6th, and this is your weekly update on music, culture, and what's next. This week, we're taking a closer look at how artificial intelligence is affecting music production. Are the robots finally taking over, or does AI technology open new spheres of human creativity? It seems like every day is April Fool's now, whether it's a mid-journey composed pick, the one of Pope Francis looking extra drippy in an all-white puffer, or it's the AI voice of Kanye rapping apologies for his anti-Semitism. Double-checking, triple-checking, cross-checking a source simply isn't enough anymore. And while AI-generated memes like the ones I mentioned are generally harmless, there's a larger discussion at work here on privacy rights, data protection, copyright infringement, you name it. Pop music has been affected by AI too. Ye and Kendrick Lamar have used AI technology in music videos. Last summer, there was that whole controversy about FN Mecca, the rapping avatar that was signed to Capitol Records after blowing up on TikTok. And then there was Drake.it, a song generator trained on Drake's discography that allowed anyone to make their own signature Drizzy song about literally anything. Earlier this year, David Guetta, oh man, I can't believe I just said that out loud, played a song during one of his sets that seemed to have sampled Eminem. Except Eminem never rapped any of the words. David Guetta tapped AI to generate Eminem-ish lyrics and used a voice generator to bring it all to life. Will the real Slim Shady please stand up? Can you feel the anxiety coming on? I sure can. So let's turn to a cultural expert to administer a chill pill. I called up Emily Friedlander, She's a journalist who has written for the New York Times and Vice, and she co-hosts a podcast about culture in the age of platforms, which is called The Culture Journalist. So, Roberto Nixon, that's the guy whose deepfake vocals of Kanye went viral this past week. He said something super interesting in his video. Keep in mind, this is the worst that AI will ever be. In just a few years, basically every popular musician will have multiple trained models of them. All right, Emily, it's time for your take on this. What's your guess? Are we heading towards a reality where this becomes the norm for artists? My guess is that as long as the technology is out there to create these sorts of deep fakes, people are going to keep trying. But I think there's going to be a lot of pushback from the music industry and rights holders who are going to be putting pressure on regulators and the companies developing these tools to shield them from people exploiting their IP. And just as there are already tools out there that, say, teachers can use to detect whether a high school essay was written by an AI, we're probably going to see similar tools being rolled out in the audio space, which could be another way of policing bad actors. On the other side of the coin, I think there's also a lot of room for artists being able to actively benefit from these voice models. For example, an artist could create their own voice model and then invite other people to pay for the privilege of using it, or even use it as the basis for fun, fan-generated content campaigns. Emily, do you remember the first deepfake audio that you ever heard? So the first time I heard one of these deepfakes or voice models in action was probably in 2019, when Holly Herndon released her last album, Proto, famously made using a so-called AI baby named Spawn. 
And the interesting thing about the record was that she said that the AI voice only made up of about 20% of the audio. So you couldn't always tell what was AI and what was not. And I think that was kind of the point, that sooner than we think, this technology is going to become so ubiquitous that we may not always be able to tell what is what, which is kind of the anxiety that we're culturally feeling right now. Now I really want to talk to you about AI in music production and the future of how it will affect the value and appreciation people have for human creativity in music. When you see the proliferation of all these tools and all of these people using them, it's really easy to say, oh no, now anyone can make a professional sounding track with just a few prompts. Uh, what happens to me? Nobody is going to value the hard work that I do anymore. Um, we're going to be replaced by a machine. But I don't actually think this is what's going to happen. Um, I think we're going to see uh, a lot of songs that sound, you know, professional enough. Uh, just like, you know, using an app like Midjourney, you can create like a professional-ish looking graphic. But that doesn't mean that this work is going to be interesting or that these songs are going to have that certain special something that sets a good track apart from a great one. And I think that that is just going to make people care more about the human touch and the aspects of music that can't be made by a machine. And I hope that actually ends up being a catalyst for people innovating and sort of pushing beyond what already exists. Because that's really all that AI can do. It can just regurgitate what already exists. Okay, you kind of touched on this earlier, but let's go deeper. What are some more positive outcomes of using AI technology in music production? Do you see any bigger creative opportunities coming out of this for musicians or listeners? I mean, I think this is going to be a revolution akin to the dawn of sampling, but more like sampling on steroids. The ability to literally Frankenstein your music with someone else's or Frankenstein one sound with another... That is something we've never had the tools to do before in such a seamless way. And what is probably less interesting than the ability to create a perfect rendition of another artist's music or a perfect rendition of a style is the happy accidents and weird glitches and artifacts that these tools produce. And we get to choose those. We get to choose to put them in our music. Um, I also think it's important to remember that there's still a human on both ends of this process. Even if it's the computer sewing the song together, it's still the person who decides what the art is, what the gesture is that they're making. And that gesture, I think, is the thing that's the most important. What do you think about the issue of the music industry balancing potential benefits of using AI technology and the need to protect the rights and interests of musicians? I read an interesting piece by two attorneys in Billboard the other week talking about how last October, the Recording Industry Association of America put out a statement saying that AI music generators were violating the copyrights of the artists they represented en masse. But then the pro-AI counter-argument here is that copyrighted works are generally so transformed in the process of generating new material that it should fall under the rubric of fair use, which is a pretty important concept in the protection of self-expression and free speech. So I have a feeling it's going to kind of be a balance between fostering an environment where artists aren't getting robbed blind and fostering an environment that favors artistic expression and creativity. And you have to hope that we'll eventually land in a place that feels like a compromise between the two. Thank you so much, Emily. Oof, that was a deep, deep dive. 
And now let's go straight into the other headlines and highlights of the week. Domo arigato, Mr. Sakamoto. The music world lost a titan last Sunday with the passing of Ryuchi Sakamoto. He was 71. Sakamoto was a former member of the seminal band Yellow Magic Orchestra, and he's recognized as one of the most influential Japanese composers. Artists from across the globe and artistic spectrum took to social media feeds for thoughtful tributes. For example, the producer Matrix Man says this about him. He explored tirelessly with the curiosity of a child and was musically active until the very last moment, a true hero. Sakamoto influenced electronic music genres ranging from techno, electro, and hip-hop to contemporary classic film scores and far more. He was diagnosed with cancer in 2014, and he battled his illness in public while continuing to make vital music, all defined by the philosophical and playful creative approach he was known for. Even if you think you're an expert on his work, I'd highly recommend the 2018 documentary Coda if you haven't seen it. For me, it's a must-watch for learning more about his career and style. Ever a master of ceremonies, Sakamoto has left us plenty of his art to keep us company in his passing. Moto Draggy, Rosalia Superfan stages a tribute. How far would you go to see your favorite singer's show? Peruvian YouTuber Yoa invested a hundred grand to stage the Miji Show, a tribute concert that obsessively and lovingly mimics Rosalia's Moto Mami World Tour. Yoa performs in drag as Rosalia, of course, and the outfits, lighting cues, props, and choreography were recreated in all their scooter riding, hair flipping, gum chewing glory. Eight Moto Poppy dancers were selected from 100 auditions, and Yoa apparently took three months of dancing classes to pull their part off. This all went viral on TikTok, and even Rosalia made herself known and commented, Parallel Dimension Unlocked. The full performance and behind-the-scenes documentary was up on YouTube, but it's since been taken down. Boo! Hopefully the Moto Mommy herself sorts it out and gets this genius tribute back online soon. If a song streams in the forest, but no one is around to hear it? A presentation at this year's South by Southwest highlighted a sad but grimly hilarious statistic. There are about 158 million songs on streaming services, and approximately 38 million of these songs had zero plays in 2022. Zero, nada, nothing, zilch. Why does a bunch of songs hanging out without streams sound so fabulously goth to me? It's clear that loads of music unfortunately never gets heard, but we're going to do our best to highlight some of the great music that goes under the radar. Check the show notes for a playlist of amazing tunes under a thousand plays on Spotify and show the artists some love. Your Crocs just got louder? As if Crocs weren't the loudest shoe in the room already, Instagram user The Tough Gym went viral this past week with a video of a portable Bluetooth speaker connected to their Crocs. This speaker is called Mini Slaps, and it's an official item for gibbets, the accessory that are basically like custom Croc emojis. You know, you push them into the little air holes on the front. They pretty much sold out immediately, and this is just the latest in a string of notable moments for the shoe. Crocs have transitioned from being the footwear laughing stock of the world to in-demand fashion. Questlove rocked a pair at this year's Oscars. Balenciaga, of course, collaborated with the brand to release platform, stiletto, and boot versions. And even Bad Bunny's in the mix, releasing a special glow-in-the-dark edition. Annual sales have increased 200% since 2019. That's a lot of foam. 
Just one more thing. This is the part of our show where we hand over the mic to some of our favorite artists, DJs, and music experts. Each week, we share a personal rec to help you get out of your little bubble and send you on a path to finding new stuff. Today's tip comes courtesy of techno and technology legend Richie Houghton. He was in the studio with us last week. If you missed it, check out last week's episode. It was killer. You might already know that Richie is a huge sake fan, but he's also into miso. So Richie, what's your miso recommendation? Hi, this is Richie Houghton, and here's my miso recommendation, especially if you're living or around Berlin. There's a great place called Mimi Ferments, and you can buy incredible miso there. But more importantly, you can take a miso class and make your own miso and then watch it getting more and more delicious over a year, a year and a half until you're supposed to open it and then finally try it. (laughs) It's worth the wait. Do it. Yum, yum. Thank you, Richie. You can find the link to Richie's Instagram and his tip, Mimi Ferments, in the show notes, of course. So that's all for the week this week. Thanks for locking in. We'll be back here next Thursday, and we might have something very special waiting for you. Have the longest weekend you can, and remember to stop scrolling. The Week is a production by Telecom Electronic Beats and ACB Stories.